really asking the question, what does it mean to be human? Mm, that's good, man. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like, what does it actually mean to be human? Or should we even be human? What's up, guys? RLTK PHX Real Talk Phoenix podcast, episode 12. 12. Excited to be here with you, Jordan the John, hanging out. Um, we've been kind of just thinking and processing through uh, the, the talk that we did on racism uh, a couple weeks ago. And we had uh, some comments back, which were cool. It was cool to interact with some of you guys about the conversation. Um, keep interacting with us, keep commenting, keep liking, keep subscribing. Uh, we're hoping that you're finding the content helpful and it's starting uh, to help you process through and have conversations about things that are important, right? Like this isn't just something that we do on this podcast or that we do in schools. This is like a way of life for us. Like we're constantly yeah. having these conversations, constantly processing through what matters and why and what is the truth. How can we get there? Why should we get there? We feel like mm. it's important. And so, uh, as we were talking about the race conversation and, and just chewing on it, it became quite clear that uh, maybe even a, a a side, a sub-conversation to that is the issue of identity, right? Like, mm -hmm. who are we? What makes us who we are? Why would we say that is what makes us who we are? And um, I think if we look at our world today, in a world of Ancestry.com, 23andMe, yeah. right? And all these different types of ways that people are trying to discover their lineage and trying to discover their heritage and their history, and their family name and what it means. I know for me, when I was growing up, it was like family crest, you know what oh, I mean? Wow. All those different types of things. It's like... In the UK. Yeah, we're trying to discover who we are, right? And Finding your family What makes us who we are. And so, uh, as we start this conversation mm. today, we wanted to start with the question, like, what is identity? What, like, what is it? And so, I wanted to uh, kind of frame the conversation, I guess, with a dictionary definition. And so, that would be the condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is, the qualities, beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person mm. or a thing. So, makes sense. Maybe at the same time, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Pretty academic, right? <laughs> and so, like John, yeah, what is what is identity? Well, like we said, there's quite a few definitions, and when you just look up in the diction dictionary a definition, it's kind of hard to beat that one. Yeah. But when we're talking about the implications of our identity on how we live our lives, there's the parts of us that we inherit, like mm. the family we're born into, yeah, 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 the economic situation of that family, yeah. um, the geography of where that family comes from, right. race, things that are beyond our control. I would even say to some degree intellect. There are some people who are born that are just gifted in different ways. Right? Intellectually, right? Yeah. Physically, or there's physically, people who yeah. are born and they're athletes. And so we do live in an equitable world, but nature itself is not equitable hmm. in how the cards have been kind of dealt out to every person. And so when you think about your identity, there's things that society might consider good or, or valuable and things that society considers not good or invaluable. Wow. And so there's those bits concerning your identity that are things that you inherit that you can't change or yeah. that are difficult to change. Yeah. Especially in the age that we live in now where if you were born in one particular gender, you can change that. Sex things, signs of birth, right? Things, exactly. But things that traditionally for, for since we've been taking history of time, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. 
Things yeah. that have been considered unchangeable, now we're entering a new yeah. transhumanism era. Exactly. And then with technology getting to the place where we can essentially at some point in the not too distant f- future create a cybernetic human. Like, right. Man, I know those guys talking about it. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Right. And I know that's kind of way off in the distant future in sci-fi. Exactly. That's the kind of way <laughs> I think about stuff. You know what I mean? But so, what is the question, right? Yeah. There are quite a few things that people don't like about themselves that they'd like to change. And so when we hit, when yeah. we hit on issues of identity, what we're really talking about is those parts of you that you like, those parts of you that you don't like, and what you can do to change it. Hmm. Because essentially, what does identity mean if you're not able to change it? Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the implications of identity... Right now, in the world that we live on, that we live in, is we're in a peculiar time in which we're trying to gain more control over it. Yes, so exactly. The real question is, can we though? Yeah, that's a good question. Right? Huh? Yeah. I don't a, think it's going to stop though. I think people I are going to keep pushing the envelope, trying to. We were talking about this on the ride over here, actually, about how one of the things that I have to prepare my kids for is the fact that people that they're engaging with online, they play a lot, they play lots of games. Yep. They interact with people that they've never seen physically in the real world that they've only met online. Yep. And they're too naive at this point to understand that people are nefarious and might have ulterior motives. Exactly. Yep. And so kind of preparing them for that and things just kind of really makes this issue of identity become something that people are like, oh, snap, I didn't realize it was that of a that big of a deal right now. Yeah. But for me, well, I think it it's is. one of the hugest it's societal probably, implications yeah, it's probably right now. probably the largest question we're asking right now. And I mean, mm. to broaden it a little bit, we're really asking the question, what does it mean to be human? Mm. That's good, man. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like, what does it actually mean to be human? Or should we even be human? Yeah. It reminds me of that show. It reminds me of that show, Messiah. We were we were watching this show on Netflix the other day, Messiah, and in this scene, there's clearly a boundary that's drawn between people who are of one ethnicity or nationality, and they're on the other side of the barbed wire, and they're in terrible circumstances. And the people on the other side, clearly, they have their guns drawn. They're people in a position of power on their side of the border, but the one thing missing from the obviously missing from the narrative that that comes full circle later on is, wait, aren't both of these people human? Mm. And yet one group of people is perfectly fine with the suffering of the others because they were able to draw a boundary between themselves. An artificial artificial thing that makes them something other than me. And in this one scene, this young man has gotten to the place where all of the people on his side are about to die. And so he strips himself naked and walks across the border. And it's like, look, if I'm anything, clearly you can see I'm just a human in need of help. That scene was so powerful to me because when you strip everything away, what is it that makes us the same? Our humanity. And that's profound. Like you were asking earlier, what does it mean to be a human? Like we live in such a weird time right now with boundaries and political parties and I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, and like all of the mess going on right now, these issues of identity, these questions are like school super... school I went to or didn't go to, mm-hmm. my parents are or not, mm-hmm. all those different types of things. And it, what it my gender you, is or, or is, is not. not. And it makes you think about uh, identity as a whole. In order for it to actually exist and work this way, there has to be some sort of standard mm. or some sort of 
ultimate that we're looking to in order to determine that what we have is either enough or not enough, right? Mm. So, like, there has to be something I'm looking at to say I don't have that or I do have that. Wow. And that's what's that's what I'm looking to as I decide I want to change or I don't want to change, mm. right? And then that's the standard that everybody else is judging me by. So that person has mm. the thing and that person doesn't have the thing. Whatever right? the thing is. Whatever the thing is, right? And I think it varies. And so I think that kind of, I guess, ties us into uh, our next kind of question that we wanted to hit on is like, what is or what are Gen Zers putting their identity in? Like, where are they finding it, right? Mm. Like, what are they defining themselves by? Mm. And why do we think they're defining themselves by those things? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, quite a bit of the data is showing us right now that, and, and you hit on this in one of the last pod, podcasts about the distribution of truth hmm. and how uh, people are borrowing truth from different sources um, today than they were in decades past. For instance, it used to be that whoever the expert was, people believed the expert. Pipeline, yeah. Right, the voice of the expert. And so we lived in much more of a, a culture that trusted in voices of authority, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we live now in a culture of fake news and, and don't trust anyone or anything and online reviews. I mean, you can get on true. a company that for years you thought was a great company and then people tell the truth, quote unquote, yep. about what's really going on yep. with that company. And so the trust that individuals have in institutions is fading. Is fading. It's failing, in my opinion. Wow. And so... The generation, the, the era that we're moving into with this generation is one of testimonial. What mm. do my friends say about it? Yep. You know, yep. what do other people say about it? It's because based on experience, right? It's hard to imagine that your friends would lie to you, bold faced to something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bold faced to you about something or a product or, or a movie or whatever. You know, back in the day when you went and saw a movie before social media existed you go back to school and be like oh my gosh did you guys see the new wayne's world movie or whatever and you basically describe the whole movie to your friends like you had that stuff memorized right wow. and so now the way people do it is you know they get on whatever their favorite social media app or digital platform and they yeah. rift on the movie that way and that's, that's how true. people hear Reviews. about it Right. I mean, I I don't even really watch movies unless it has a think good about the stuff you've gone to rotten see tomatoes. or do because your friends have a told good you. Rotten Tomatoes review. I won't watch it. There you go. And like, even with like, uh, <clears throat> I took my mom out. She loves hamburgers, and she left last week, Saturday, went back to England. Yeah. But she was hanging out with us for a few months, mm -hmm. and we wanted to take her to a good burger joint. And so I just got on Google and looked up burger joints from Google Maps and looked at the reviews. And were you let down? No, I was not. <laughs> exactly. That's incredible. That's kind of the point, right? Right, yeah. But it was like, and I always look for maximum reviews. So like, I want a thousand reviews and I want, you know, a four point something, a yes. thousand reviews. And, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a chance on that. That ratio says that. It's probably a good chance There's that that place people. is going to be good. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But you get what I'm saying? I do. And so the, the illustration I would use as well, <clears throat> again, back to movies Back in the day, when people watched television, they watched Siskel and Ebert to tell them how great the movies were. Two guys. They watched mm. two guys on TV that were supposed to be the experts. And then people would be like, ah, oh, those guys don't know anything about movies. And then uh, lo and behold, like you said, Rotten Tomatoes comes up. And now we have thousands of people. Yep. And we trust that way more than way two more. guys who are supposed to be experts. It's true. So the era of expertise... The era of people being paid because they know a bunch of stuff is gone. 
We live in the that's era true. of testimonial. Well, I think the last thing that stands... And that's where Gen Z is, because that was the original that question. Right, is the education system in that regard. Oh, yeah. And who knows, that might change, right? I mean, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was this morning, you had played a bit of it, where uh, one of the guys that we listened to was essentially saying, how silly is it going to be 10, 15 years from now when people look back and say, wow, these people paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for an education that they could have gotten off of watching YouTube videos. I mean, it's ludicrous to think about the stuff that your kid right now is preparing for a future that's not even going to exist. Mm. <laughs> With the rate of, sort of I mean, that's how right? I feel about it, right? Unless they're in some sort of specialized profession, like you know, being a doctor. For sure, for sure, for sure. Something that requires that kind of schooling. Absolutely. Technical hands-on. But the level of, <laughs> of rigor and the level of, of discipline and intellect that it takes to even get to that place... Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, those are those things. Fields are always going to be open, right? But the need to get a degree in some sort of, you know, basic thing that you could get or watch videos on or download PDFs of. And I remember I've watched this movie Goodwill Hunting several years ago, and he's arguing with this guy in the bar, and he's like, "Yeah, I got the same degree that you got for like five dollars in late fees at the library." Dang. You know, or not degree, but like information, like yeah. the same amount of information. So, yeah. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Gen Z is putting their identity in stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the distribution of trust has changed. Absolutely. So that also has changed the way that they put their identity yes. in stuff, right? So, um, first thing that comes to my mind, obviously, is social. Yeah. I mean, really, really easy to think about, really easy to hear on how many likes you have or don't have, uh, how how appealing your post is or isn't this, mm -hmm. uh, this desire to be famous. And it's really not just fame anymore. It's infamy. Mm -hmm. And that means that you'll post anything on social media, um, to get attention and mm -hmm. then putting your identity in that. I remember I was having a conversation with one of, uh, my good friend's sisters and she was talking about a kid at her school and she was like, Oh yeah, he's famous. I'm like, He's famous? She's like, yeah, he's got like 20,000 followers on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, I guess that that's what it means to be famous in 2019. Right. You have a bunch of people following you on social media. Like in, when I was growing up, you weren't famous unless you were on TV. and right. some Or you actually did something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you create some video. It's funny. A bunch of people watch it and now you're famous. It's right. like, what? Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think about, but that's the world that we live in now. And so now every... Every uh, teenager is trying to make the next video. You know right. what I'm saying? And like, it's not pie in the sky. Like, you really could. Yeah. You're one video away from being famous. Like, you yeah. really are. Yeah. You're one YouTube video, one TikTok video, one Instagram post, mm. one Instagram video. You know what I'm saying? You're one yeah. well thought out joke or um, social justice thing or whatever, right? Mm. You're one profound message. message. Yeah. You're one compelling message away from millions of people following you on social media. I mean, isn't that what that young lady Greta Thunberg has kind of proven? Like, who was she before she got on social media, television, whatever? That thing went all over social media. But she stood up and kind of advocated for issues in the environment. And now she's got something like 3 million followers on social. And I think she's a pretty young teenage girl, like 15 or 16. And so I think of the implications of what that would be for me when I was 15 or 16 to have that many people looking up to me, I was not ready for it. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that could and be the some of the reason that comes for... with it as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause this, 
I've heard plenty of people say terrible things about her. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Horrible stuff. And it's like, man, she's a 15-year-old kid. And that's the other side of the world that we live in right now for Gen Zers. People wonder why they have so much anxiety, you know, so much, um, like, they seem like they know everything. And I've told people before, it's like, your teenager seems like they know anything. Could it be possible they actually do know more than you? So I because mean, it's a legitimate question. It's a ask, legitimate right? question. It's a real legit question. I mean, my son lives on social, not social, but he lives on technology quite a bit. And I felt bad before as a parent. I'm like, man, am I doing something wrong by having him use this? But I kind of feel like that's where the world is going, mm-hmm. and he needs to be an expert in it. Mm-hmm. But what I've come to realize is this kid is sharing information with me on the regs about stuff I had no clue about. Now, I have to listen to him and, and sift through some of that stuff to get down to the, the nuance or, or you know, the, the critical truth about what's going on with things. But that's the cool part when we, when we do that together is I get to share wisdom with him. Yeah. You know, he's sharing knowledge about the world or things going on in the and world. But I get how to navigate. Exactly. That's good, man. Yeah. And so, which brings us to another thing that I think really shapes identity is family, right? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we said this before, the number one generational, mm. uh, the number one thing that shapes a generation is parenting, it's yep. family, right? And so um, I think sometimes we underestimate this and we undervalue it. But I think like family can help shape uh, a Gen Z's identity in a really positive way, in a really negative way. Right. Let me hit on the negative for uh, a moment. I think um, one of the things that can happen for us, especially when we have adverse circumstances as a child, right, as mm-hmm. a young person, um, we can say, well, I got into this situation and this thing happened to me. And so I live my life in a way that says I'm never going to get into that situation again. Like mm-hmm. we went without money. I'm never going to go without money again. Right. Um, somebody took advantage of me. I'm never going to be put in a situation where somebody can take advantage of me again. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be like my parents. You know, my parents got divorced, so I'm never going to get divorced or I'm never going to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think um, mm-hmm. like we can almost put our identity in not being those things or being that thing. So I'm, mm-hmm. I never had money. So now I'm going to be a billionaire or a yeah. billionaire. And I'm going to like live my whole life and shape my whole life around getting money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm going to shape my whole life around never being taken advantage of again. So now I become a boxer or an MMA fighter or whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so hmm. I think sometimes we can look at our own stories uh, as parents or as influencers. And then we can look at the stories of, the Gen Z is that we're trying to influence in our life and we can see mm-hmm. how things that have happened to them in their past are shaping them in ways that perhaps they haven't begun to understand yet or maybe they have begun to understand but they're not really seeing the far-reaching implications and how those things affect their relationships like mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't even imagine when I was younger that my dad leaving home and how that would affect how I am with my own mm-hmm. wife today, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And the things I'm willing to do and the things I'm not willing to do. And we were just talking about, you know, me in terms of how I discipline my son and how I see how that has been um, deeply affected by the way that my dad disciplined me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting to see how uh, family and parenting and all those different types of things that happen in that formational time in young people's lives, how it shapes them and how they live out of that Mm-hmm. Um, consciously or unconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. And so family is a huge deal in terms of shaping identity, whether uh, a Gen Z sees it or not. And they may, they may not see it, but they're probably living out of it way more than they actually think that they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think wow. another thing that's really shaping us 
and I, when, when I'm talking about what things that are shaping us, I'm talking about culture, right? So like culture is like the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we watch, what we're paying attention to, the things yeah. that we're wearing, the food that we're eating, like all of that stuff comes together and it makes culture, right? And so obviously we have a specific culture in the United States and then it gets even more nuanced to varying by state and varying by city and town mm -hmm. and this, you know what I'm saying, the neighborhood. Right. And so all those nuances play into the culture that's being created depending on the variables that are at play. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're hitting on, you know, macro variables, but there's probably micro ones too if you mm -hmm. took some time to sit and think about it and think about what are the things that are shaping you, what are the things that are shaping the Gen Z is in your life. Mm -hmm. I think a massive one, right, is sexuality. We've gotten this before. Yep. Uh, pornification of culture, uh, hookup culture, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> the reality that um, there's a sense of, I think it's like, it's almost you're championed, you know what I'm saying, if you're engaging in sexual behavior. Yeah. And once again, if that's the standard that's been put up there, if I do this, then people are going to look to me, then I'm going to find my identity, look to that thing, lock myself by that thing and then be you know loved by the people around me yeah so i think uh sexuality is a huge one uh as well and i think it ties back to this idea of this generation coming up wanting to be known yeah right uh wanting to stand out be different from everybody else have people look to them for better or for worse mm -hmm. uh have people say that they're the thing they're enough they're you're what i'm trying to be like Mm. Um, and so I think as we look at or our culture, yeah, I think as we look at our culture and we look at the things that we're identity, identifying with or trying to identify ourselves with, uh, those are a few things that come to mind for me right now. Yeah. What's interesting about you had keyed in on how sexuality and, uh, things of a sexual nature have become, it seems more important. I would attribute a lot of that as well to the rise of people's identity being fashioned by their social media presence, especially for young women. And the reason I say that is I've noticed this before and, you know, I've been using social media long enough that I would make a post on something and I noticed that, you know, no one would comment on it if it was a, a particularly thoughtful post. But then I'd have other friends who, let's say they're female, and they post a picture that's somewhat provocative, all right? I would notice that that photo would get tons of comments and tons of likes. And I would always think like, why is that? You know, like it gets a lot of attention. It's because the physical things, attractive people get lots of attention, right? And what's crazy about social media is you can actually make yourself appear more attractive, more attractive than, you than you actually are. Yep. Which is really sad if you think about it. It's boiling people down to their most basic common characteristic, you know, your physical appearance. Isn't that the thing that social media and technology was supposed to break us free from is being judged by something so superficial? Like your intellect, your ideas, your thoughts. It was supposed to be this great equalizer. And it's like it turns out when you look on social media, we're all just attention whores. Dang. And we'll do whatever it takes to get that attention. And that's what's kind of, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just wild. A megaphone. It's wild to me. It's just a megaphone. It is. It is. It's just amplified. It's just amplified the reality of us yeah. searching for whatever it is that we're searching for. We're just searching for it even more now. We yeah. have this tool that gives us more access to it. Yeah. And the thing that's so dangerous about it right now is the way that some of these 
kids, teenagers, Gen Zers are putting their bodies, their image, whatever you want to call it out there for the whole world to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there are bad people in this world. And I know that Gen Zers are not stupid. They know that they're aware of that. But it's one of those, one thing that's common about being a teenager is you don't consider the risk of a thing when you do it. My wife has this story about how when she was a teenager, a bunch of her friends went out to some field for a party to cut class and several people were in a vehicle that turned over and several people died out of the back of that vehicle. And she was like, I could have been at that event, but something inside her told her not to go to it, right? Because it was dangerous. But what do teenagers like to do? Dangerous stuff, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Explore and experiment and right. Yeah, exactly. And so we definitely live and I, and I would, yeah. And I would attribute a lot of, like I said earlier, the anxiety and, and depression and things like that that are going on right now to this whole reality of culture of you being basically just a hmm. a person who's there to garner likes Damn. or get attention. So what happens when you don't get the likes or what happens when someone sees you in real life and your online persona doesn't match up? It's kind of a crazy set I've of circumstances. Yeah. Back in the days of MySpace. People that didn't look the oh, way bro. online. Yeah. Catfished. Catfish, that's a real thing. Yeah, it is. But think about how sad catfishing is for the person who's doing the catfishing. They have a whole show on that now, I think. Yeah, about how broken. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? And then people get caught and they're all sad and crying and like, they just just wanted someone to love me. I know. It's like, dang. That's messed up. It is super messed up. Mm. Um, And as I think about this, I'm thinking, well, why is this stuff that we're talking about even important? Like, I think. the reality is that these are the things that Gen Z is, and ultimately, just to be honest, all of us <laughs> yes. are trying to find our identity. Yeah. And the reality is we're being shaped and we're looking to these things as ultimate things and we're judging ourselves and our lives and everybody else's lives by these mm-hmm. things. And um, I think we need to be aware of that. We need to ask ourselves the question, like, is this really what I want to judge and rule and live my life by? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of times we don't ask ourselves the deeper questions and we end up living our lives being guided by things that perhaps we're not even realizing we're being guided by. Yes. Right? We're being moved and shifted by the tide of culture and the things that society says, this is what you're supposed to be and this is how you're supposed to look and this is how much supposed to how money you're supposed to make and this is the house you're supposed to live mm-hmm. in, the car you're supposed to drive, the school you're supposed to go to. And we're being driven by these things and we've never stopped and asked ourselves, why and is this even what I really want? Mm-hmm. And to allow your teenager to, to ask themselves those questions, I think can be a powerful moment mm-hmm. for them because they're in that part of their lives where they really are trying to figure out who they are. They really are mm-hmm. searching for their identity. You know, they're mm-hmm. changing, their body's changing. Yep. They're going to school. You know, they're probably getting into their first real relationships with somebody yep. uh, romantically. Like all these things are happening. Mm-hmm. They're making all these life decisions. They're feeling all this pressure uh, to do and to not do and to figure out who they are and what they want to do and how, you know, what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, which is crazy to think about, but that's where it's happening. And so mm-hmm. we have to walk with them and help them navigate that space. Yeah. Because it's extremely difficult. And I mean, think about it. I'm 30 years old and I ain't got it all figured out. Yeah. I'm still asking myself these questions. And I got mm. 
uh, two kids and a wife. Yeah. And so we're expecting a 15-year-old to have this figured out. Yeah. We're expecting a freshman in college to have this figured out. I don't think so. Yeah. And so um, speaking of college, mm-hmm. I think another thing that really shapes us, uh, and I, I remember when I, I went to college and I really saw this like fraternity and sorority culture, mm-hmm. like, you know, guys and girls, or guys particularly branding themselves. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, being all in for um, their fraternity or sorority or whatever else and all the hazing or different types of things that go on. And what is that really about? It's about wanting to be a part of something bigger than yourself, right? Yeah. It's about being a part of something that has history and, you know, there's this house you live in and these people that you hang out with and build a relationship with around this mm-hmm. thing, whatever that thing is, whatever your mm-hmm. uh, Greek life letters are, you know what yeah. I mean? And um, all the things that come with that and then all the privileges that come with that when you graduate, right? Because mm-hmm. you got all these people that are working in businesses and own companies that mm-hmm. went to your fraternity or sorority. And so they'll hire you just because you're in the same exactly. fraternity or sorority. Exactly. And so like all the privileges and benefits that it affords you in society mm-hmm. moving forward. So like as I look at it, I'm like, dang, these people are just searching for something to be a part of. They're searching for something to put their identity in. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about sports teams as well i mean i did the same thing in college you know what yeah. I'm saying? my a huge part of my identity was that i was a college soccer player you know what yeah. i'm saying that's what everybody knew me by that's what uh earned me respect on campus that's Absolutely. what let me that's what let you know me get away with getting bad grades and teachers helping me out you know what i'm saying like all those types of things happened because i was on a college sports team mm-hmm. and so as i think about that you know, there's, there was people who wanted to be a part of that. You know what I'm saying? There's people that judge yeah. themselves by that standard. It's the same thing with fraternities and the same thing with sororities. And ultimately, what we see is that people are grasping at something to identify themselves by, mm-hmm. something to satisfy them, something yeah. to tell them that they're enough uh, yeah. and, and quench that sense of insecurity and doubt mm-hmm. and fear about themselves yeah. that, that's on the inside of all of us, I think. it's a little It's a little deeper than that, though, but I've come to observe okay regarding why people identify obviously it's it's easy to understand why a person identifies with their family members because that's the family that they raised up in but what you're hitting on is something like um being a part of a sports team right there's people who are the they're a part of the sports team because they're talented enough to make the team but then there's people who just come and watch like what's that all about Mm. right and so the issue of identity is not even so much of you yourself becoming something different, but part of identity is also the aspect of being affiliated with something that can make you feel proud. Mm, that's good, man. And I think a lot of people feel, whether it concerns the the families that they born into, the financial situation, or you know the prosperity or poverty that's of good, their man. country, you yeah. know. The one thing that they can hold on to is we beat you in the World Cup. Yeah, but your country's infrastructure is falling apart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but a lot, it's this idea of identity and affiliating with something that can make you feel proud about yourself, even if for a moment is a real thing. Like people want to, in us, there's all these things that can be messed up with you, you know, but if you wear that Lamar Jackson jersey, you know, mm. you're now affiliated with success. You wow. now got something to be proud of that's crazy right and so and 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 obviously for the people who are the players or for the leaders or, or or the are the head honchos of the thing that you're trying to affiliate with like that's even more of a you know a, an achievement so to speak hmm. right 
But I think when you think about it, there's a lot of reason for people in this world to feel a sense of shame. And if you can find that you're affiliated with something that makes you feel proud of yourself. You can quell that a little bit. You can quell that a little bit. And I think that's the reason for for Gen Zers wanting to be popular online. Just for one moment, they want to feel proud of themselves. Dang. You know what I mean? They want to feel like they've got something to hang their hat on. Hmm. Even if it's just being affiliated. Right. Dang. It's deep, isn't it? Yeah. And so the implications of identity, it's weird. Like a person doesn't even actually have to become, you know, the thing that they're idealizing. They can just identify with it. And affiliate with it. Yeah. Dang. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. And so these issues of identity, they run so deep. I mean, it's so. Yeah, it really does. Core. We're just trying to what it means to be human. There's so much more to talk about. But, you know, we're only on a short podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how should uh, parents, influencers, uh, people that have impact mm. and influence in a young person's life, uh, Gen Zer in particular, how should they go about helping that person figure out, shape their identity? Yeah. What do you think? I'll just be real. Um, for me, if it weren't for the impact of other influencers who were adults in my life when I was a young man, I don't know that I'd be here today. And the reason for that is when I was, when I was a teenager, my father was put into prison and he was just completely removed from my life. And in some of the most critical moments of a young man's life. Yeah. And so for quite a long time, I just felt like, rudderless, you know, directionless. And, and there were a lot of things that I got into as a young man because I didn't have someone kind of checking on me and making sure that I wasn't doing some stuff that I shouldn't have yeah, been doing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. Um, I didn't have that in my life, but in terms of my father when he went to prison, but there were people uh, who came around and who saw what was going on, who took an interest in my life, coaches, teachers, Um, there were some social workers at that time, people who cared enough about me to deposit into my life, who realized that, and and it brings me back to this one story in particular, uh, when I was in, I had to go to alternative school because I got kicked out of normal school because I was a bit of a a troublemaker. And at this alternative school, the principal there, his name was Dan Shadwick. He was like an old football coach from some small East Texas town, but he was a tough old guy. He was a sweet guy, but he was a tough guy. I mean, imagine how tough you got to be to run a school, of, yeah, an alternative school, school <laughs> with pregnant girls and thugs, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm up there one day and I got in trouble for something, you know, like I normally did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, a, it was a pretty bad situation. He brought me into his office and I was saying something to him as he was talking to me and I was saying, I know, I know, I know. I was just saying that. He slammed his hand on the desk and he's like saying, why don't you just say, shut up, old man? He's like, if you know everything, why don't you just say what you really think? Shut up. And it hit me hard. And he was like, John, he's like, there've been a lot of things that have happened to you in your life with your father, with your family, the financial situation that you guys are in. You're here at alternative school. He was like, what do you think's next for you? And he was implying prison was next. Dang. And he's like, you've got this opportunity here at this place with people that care about you and you're completely squandering it. And it just hit me. Like all of these things, all of these things in my life were terrible. But this situation of being at alternative school was a, it was like my last chance. 
And this dude was able to speak into my life in such a way that it rattled me. And it made me think like, what is my identity? Who am I going to be? Am I going to be the guy who went to jail because his dad went to jail? Am I going to be the guy who, you know, sells drugs and makes money that way? Am I going to be the guy who's a bully, who's the thug, who, you know, has baby mamas everywhere? You know, like, that was where my life was headed. And this guy, you know, cared enough about me to speak truth into my life in a way that just rocked me in that moment and influenced me and changed the course of my future. There's a lot of people out there. You have, There's teenagers, there's Gen Zers, you have influence in their life and you think, well, I'm just a coach or I'm just a teacher. Listen, you have one conversation with someone, you can change the course of their future. Especially if they know that you care about them. Especially with this issue of identity. You get that issue handled, you get that issue corrected in a person's life, man, that can motivate and fuel them for a long time. It's true. And so I, I was fortunate enough to have people like that in my life because of so the circumstance. So conversations, right? Challenging. Yeah. So who am I? Process. The guy whose dad's in jail, who's going to end up in jail himself, or the guy who got a chance, who's going to be rescued, mm-hmm. who's going to make it? Yeah. You know, that narrative I needed for my identity to be fashioned moving forward, and it was, it was given man. to me. And once again, it, it kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier. It wasn't that um, you just didn't realize I didn't. Like you didn't have clarity <laughs> on the, the full picture of the story. Like you, in that moment, you were just John at alternative school, being mad because you was there and just being whoever you was. Yeah. But he helped you see that, like, no, this is actually the trajectory of your life. And based on the trajectory of your life, this is where you're going, friend. You got to yes. make a decision. You're yes. at a crossroads. And so. And he hit on issues of identity. That's what, yep. you know, just talking about this today, those things who as a are teenager. You, who are you going to be? Who are you really hit me? Questioning my identity, making me think about my identity. That's good, man. And so I think, have that conversation. Ask him, who are you going to be? Mm. Like, based on what you're doing right now, this is what we see. Mm. Like, what what decision are you going to make next? And put it on them. Put the onus, put the burden on them. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen, I've, I've seen Gen Z is respond the best when you help them recognize that there is a weight to the decisions that they're making and they should mm. take them seriously. They do. Yeah. But I think a lot of times what we do is we get afraid and we just tell them what they should do. We underestimate them. And we them. remove that burden from them, right? Yeah. And then what do they do? They could go and rebel. Yeah. They might do what you say out of fear or whatever else. Uh, but it just depends. And then once again, obviously making sure you have that trust, that closeness, <laughs> that connection so that you can actually say these things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't have that, then you're behind the eight ball, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the truthful, powerful thing that you actually have to say that might change the course of their life might not hit the way it's supposed to because mm-hmm. the relationship isn't as strong as it's supposed to be. Can I say one other yeah, thing? Just you saying that. When I was thinking about uh, Mr. Chadwick and the conversation that he had with me, I realized that in that moment, he wasn't just... <laughs> He was frustrated with me. But there was a mix of, in his frustration, there was also like, he was almost in tears talking to me. And I had frustrated so many people in my life at that time. I was used to people being angry at me. I had never seen anyone weep over me. And when you see someone cry over you, it just hits you, man. It's like, yo, this person really cares about me. Like, I'm not just like, doing something to annoy them. I'm hurting this person and I'm hurting myself ultimately, you know, but he was able to help me see that like my life was tragic 
And I didn't see it as that. I didn't yeah. see it as tragic. I just saw it as life messed up <laughs> life, or whatever, normal. or normal. Yours, right? Yeah. And he obviously like, I didn't see much good inside of me, but he, he, why would he be sad unless he thought I had potential? Hmm. You know, and there were a number of other things that he said to me about what he thought of me, good things, positive things. It was like, wow. It was almost like he believes in me more than I believe in myself. Dang. And it like kind of gave me an identity to live up to. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. To figure out what it is that he saw. And I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to telling the truth to teenagers, we feel like, well, let me tell you the truth about what you're doing. And there's a difference between telling people the truth about what they're doing and telling people the truth about what they are. Right. And so it's like you are not defined by your actions may explain who you are, but they don't define you. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think what we do was, especially with teenagers, you know, with Gen Zers, what we're, what we're saying is that they kind of get into these patterns and when they, when they misbehave or when they do things that we find inappropriate, yep. we have conversations with them about the thing the they behavior. did rather than the person they yep. are. Why did you do that? Yeah. What is it in you yeah. that brought you to a place where you felt like you had to make that decision, right? Yeah, exactly. And then helping them work through that because that's what's going to correct the behavior, right? Yeah, it's powerful, man. And so, um, mm. a few other things that we think you could do in terms of um, helping shape your teen's identity mm. or helping shape a Gen Z's identity mm. that you're connecting with influencing. Um, like, what does it mean to be a part of a family? And I guess this specifically pertains a little bit more to parents, but I, mm-hmm. I guess it could also pertain to coaches, coaches, foster parents, whatever else. Um, like, what is the history of the family? Like, what makes your family your family? Are there inspirational figures in your family that have done inspirational things throughout history? You know, if you're immigrants, tell mm-hmm. the story of how, uh, you know, the family members got here or wherever you got to. You know, if you were from another country, tell the stories of being from that other country. Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing then is you're connecting that, your teenager, you're connecting the Gen Zia to um, their family and they're finding a sense of history, finding a sense of self finding a sense mm. of connectedness and ultimately hearing about something that they can identify with, right? They can actually identify with their family. This is what my family is. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we've immigrated, we're strong, we're courageous. Mm-hmm. We make bold decisions. We take risks. Like you have to do all of those things to yeah. get up and leave what you know and go to a place that you don't know. Yeah. You yeah. have to have an immense amount of character and courage to be able to do something yeah. like that. And you're speaking that into them as you talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're like, negative things in your past and your family's past right but it's also important Mm -hmm. to know those things because guess what those things could spring up Mm -hmm. in their life and they Mm -hmm. could recognize like man i don't want to make the decisions Mm -hmm. my uncle made and my dad made and so on and so forth like just to be real like in my family the men in my family have a history of cheating on their spouses Mm -hmm. it's just the truth and so it's like i know that and i'm like dang i want to be extra careful you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. to make sure that i i don't i'm not conditioned by that or i'm not doing the same thing that uh, other men in, in my family have done. You get what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like that's a positive thing, but at the same time, knowing that and understanding that helps me understand like, dang, all right, this is something that I should be aware of and make sure I'm not putting myself in circumstances and situations where something like that could happen. And I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that it's hereditary. Sure. But what I am saying is that like family and the things that you experience and 
the places that you live and yeah. the people you interact with do shape you. It has an consciously influence. Consciously and subconsciously, yeah. right? And so we should be aware of that. And I think also, too, tapping into your sense of family and yes. what that means fights against individualism, right? Because the reality is we're a super individualistic society and we've been taught to care about self, me, create mm -hmm. your own world, do your own thing, be your own person. And that's not really working out for us in case you haven't noticed, yeah. right? And so uh, we're still searching for that sense of connection and community and finding the se your sense sure. of self. In I mean, things, it works out on which some is not things. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, to some degree, but yeah. like what we're seeing is that we're just but now issues finding of our identity, identity in yeah. stuff that we shouldn't be finding our identity in. You get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so I think if you can find part of your identity and take good things and that uh, that are going to help you propel you from your family, and then even the bad things, looking at those mm -hmm. in a positive light, like okay, uh, maybe I should be careful about this, and then maybe mm -hmm. that will help you see some of the patterns of behavior you have currently right now, yeah, and how those need to change and how those are connected to. The past history of your family like dang this was something that my family struggles with yeah you know what i'm saying there's family struggles but there's also you know family so we're talking about if you're listening to this podcast and you're an influencer or you're someone who has teenagers in your life a coach a teacher whatever you're thinking of trying to create a culture around that person that teenager or teenagers that you have in your life and so you can think about this in terms of the positive as well. In other words, and I'll give you an example, um, there's bad things from my family history, but there's also some good things from my family history. My grandfather was in the war and he was injured terribly in the war. And part of our family story is how he was able to overcome those adverse circumstances and still be able to survive. And so part of that for me at times, I think like, man, if my grandpa can go through this and survive and fight in World War II and do all of this stuff, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what I am I complaining it. about right yeah. now? Like yeah, that's yeah, in yeah. my family heritage. We don't get, we don't stop. We don't quit. Right. So part of those stories and being connected to that from your family heritage is like the need for that stuff. Gives you fuel, man. It gives you fuel, but it also gives you a narrative. It gives you a story, story right? And so you see yourself in that family story, right? Now, now it's my turn. You know, am I going to be like grandpa who, you know, this thing happened to him and he succeeded and he overcame or, you know, what am I going to be? That's good. And so when there's positive things in the family history that you can connect to, not just negative things like, you know, debauchery or drug use or things we've talked about yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. When there's positive things that can tether young people as well to be like, you know what? Our, like with, with our kids, for example, one of the things that I say to them often, I was like, Eisenrings don't lie. They'll say stuff, and when when they do it and I catch them in a lie, instead of getting angry about the, the thing that they're doing, I will say to them, Eisenring, I'm mad at you because that's not what we do. Eisenrings don't lie. And so that's a thing in them, right? It's not just something that individuals, you shouldn't tell a lie, but like, what is our family about? We tell the truth. We tell the truth to each other, and that's a cultural ethos that Something I'm trying to create. Together. Something that we don't have, and, and I'll tell them, I'm like, you don't have to lie to me, man. There's nothing that you can say to me that's going to make me stop loving you. Mm. The only thing is if you isolate and you hide. Because my love can make room for anything that you're going through. And so the reason Eisenrings don't lie is because there's a, a culture of love and care and concern. We're all trying to get to the same place together. It's good. You know, so lying is counterproductive. It's good. And I like what you said about the reality of all of us trying to be attached to a narrative, a story, right? Right. Which I think brings us to 
kind of wrapping mm-hmm. up with our Christian perspective and the reality that we're all trying to be a part of a story, right? We're all trying to be a part of something. We're all trying to, we're all looking for something to identify with. We're all looking for something to give us our sense of self. And so the question then becomes where, where can we find this? Like, and so <clears throat> I think the larger the story, the more grand the story, I think the more ability it has to uh, give us our sense of identity and our sense of self. And I think another question we have to ask ourselves too is like, what's, what's a story that's like actually can involve all people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think there's a lot of stories out there that can only involve certain types of people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whether it be intellect or whether it be uh, mm. attractiveness and all those different types of things. And so what I love about mm. the gospel is it's not predicated on any of those things. It's predicated on your ability to have faith in God, have faith in Christ, mm. trust in Christ for him to do what we were all mm. unable to do. Mm. And then uh, the Bible goes on to talk about us being a part of the family of God, right? Yeah. And so now I'm a part of this larger family uh, that has all different types of people, colors, creeds, nations, that have all different types of stories and have seen God work in their lives in multiple different ways. And now I can I can grab from that sense of history. Mm-hmm. I can grab from those stories and hearing about uh, saints of old that went through crazy things and trusted God mm-hmm. and saw God work in amazing mm-hmm. ways. And um, I can lean on those stories. That's my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I can, I can use That's that good, as fuel man. to now live the life that I feel yeah. like I've been called to live now today in 2020. Because we're in 2020 right. now, which is crazy. Right? Yeah, and so absolutely. Identity has to be given. We're all looking for it. We're all mm-hmm. looking for something to tell us who we are. And I think ultimately the ultimate person for that is Christ. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, man. Well, we're all a part of the big family. For sure. So, yeah, guys. Episode 12 in the books. Yes, sir. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, follow us. Social. Facebook. Yeah. Insta. Twitter. YouTube. LinkedIn. And YouTube. Yes, I always sir. forget YouTube. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. Drop them in the comment section. Uh, like. Share this with somebody. It will be helpful to we appreciate you listening. Hopefully this starts the dialogue and you guys continue it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. We love y'all. Peace. Peace out.